This episode is sponsored by Rulin Group. There are four gifts I've received over the years that really stood out, and the common link between all of them is each one was sourced through the Ruling Group. If you want to deliver amazing gifts that capture people's attention, go to GiversEdge.com to learn more. Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode, I'm going to be addressing your big questions. One of the ones I've been hearing a lot lately comes down to, what do I do when I call a potential client and they just don't know the answers to the questions I'm asking? We're also going to talk about the notion of qualification and how we deal with a no and what that really might mean. And then also, what should we be looking for in the way of third-party stories and case studies that'll be the most compelling for our clients? You're going to learn a ton this week when it comes to how we interact with our clients and entice their attention. So first, let's talk about this idea of you're talking to a potential client and you know you're supposed to follow the same side quadrants. You're maybe a student of same side selling. You know I got to get the issue impact important. So you're talking to your client about their issue and you ask the following question. You say, well, so how does that impact your organization? And the person you're dealing with says, well, I have no idea. So now what do you do? And this is an area a lot of people get stuck. And what I want you to consider is this. There's three potential reasons the person told you they don't know. The first is that they genuinely don't know. They really don't know what the impact is of their organization. They haven't thought about it before. The second scenario is that they know, but you haven't built enough trust to earn the right to ask that question and get an honest answer. So they're hedging because what they're thinking to themselves is, man, if I tell this person how it's impacting us, they're just going to jack up our price. So why do you need to know that? And they become very guarded. The third one is that they just don't want to show their ignorance. So maybe they think they know, but they're not really sure. They've got some insecurity and they don't know. Now, in each of those scenarios, there's slight subtleties in how we want to approach that in different ways to get good results. The first one is, assuming that they really just don't know, then it's our job to help them understand different areas that might impact the organization. We also have to recognize at that point that if they don't know how this is impacting their organization, they may in fact might not be the right person we need to be dealing with on this opportunity. But we can't say to them, oh, look, well, you're a loser. You don't get it. So I'm going to go talk to somebody else. That's probably not going to end up with a good result. So instead, what we might do is we might use third-party stories to figure that out. So we might say, you know, for some of our other clients, when their IT systems aren't working well, what they tell us is that ends up creating a lot of havoc in the organization. Oftentimes, they lose billable hours. And for some of our clients, they've actually calculated that the average person loses at least two billable hours per week because of reliability in their systems. How common is that? How do you think that compares to in your organization? And now we're giving them context through third-party references to how other people might see that same sort of issue. 
So that's one side if we get the person that, that just doesn't know. The other side is that we might start asking questions and they say, I don't know. And you say, you know what? I, I feel silly because obviously if you're pursuing and looking into a solution for this, someone must have asked. My concern is that if we don't know the real issue you're trying to solve, we might make it seem like our solution's a good fit only to find out that it's not later and you and I will both look bad. Who in the organization might know the answers to some of these questions? That way we can make sure that we can properly evaluate whether or not we can help and whether or not we might have a good fit. In doing that, what we're doing is we're taking the customer and we're putting them on the same side of the table with us to figure out whether or not we have a good fit. And that way, it tends to lower that barrier from them and might boost their trust. So now they realize we're just trying to find the right outcome. Now, the people who are afraid to show ignorance, that's where we use third-party stories again. So when someone says to you, look, you know, I, you know, I have no idea or, you know, I, I don't really know and I don't want to guess, and you can tell they're uncertain and say, look, most of the organizations we talk to don't have a clue as to what the numbers are. And it's only after we spend some time together that we figure that out between us because it's, it's not always that obvious and it's not the same for every organization. And that way they don't feel so guilty. They don't have a sense of inadequacy that they don't know the answer. One of the things you have to recognize is that this is all a part of lead qualification and opportunity qualification. And what I mean by that is that the idea is not to ask questions to get the answers that you want. The idea is to quickly uncover the truth so that you don't waste time on bad opportunities. Now, what that means is that you need to be focused on seeking impact and results, not seeking approval or false positives, meaning you don't want something that appears to be a good opportunity, but it turns out it's not really because that's a waste of your time. You don't want to have an opportunity where you're more committed to solving the problem than the customer because when that happens, you need to bring your wallet you're going to have to pay for it. Instead, you need to realize that no doesn't necessarily mean never. No could mean not now. It could mean that right now we don't have a fit because this isn't a high enough priority for us, but eventually it will be. Or eventually it won't be. But the bottom line is you know not to pursue it now. Now, if you get someone who says, yeah, you know what, it's not that big of an impact, don't, treat, don't keep trying to play a bad hand. Instead, what you want to think about at that point is, look, it sounds like right now you guys are in pretty good hands. This isn't that big of a deal for you. And at that level, I don't think we can generate significant enough results to warrant the investment. So I, I think you're in pretty good shape. Would it be okay if four months down the road, I give you a call just to see if we're offering anything new or if anything's changed on your end? Because I don't think there's a reason for us to talk between now and then, because it doesn't sound like we can do anything significant for you. Listen, what customers hate is the sales rep who wants to stick around forever and just try and sell them stuff whether they need it or not. That level of honesty that says, I think you're in good shape and I don't think you need our help yet, sends a signal to them that says, hey, you know what? Yeah, you're not going to waste my time. So sure, if you want to call me in four months, we'll catch up again. And you might actually get up, end up getting great referrals from that customer down the road. So what are the ways that we can actually pique their interest and retain their interest during those four months? Well, one of the greatest tools we can use is third-party stories and case studies. 
And oftentimes, organizations structure these and their marketing department spends time with their engineers and with their project people, and they craft these really elaborate case studies, and they wonder why they don't work that well. And the reason why is a series of mistakes or traps that I believe that marketing organizations fall into. And the first one is that they don't involve anybody in sales. Now, this is the fault of the sales organization also, but here's what I want you to consider. If you've done your job right, the sales organization knows the issue, the impact, and relative importance of that project for that customer. They also know how you're going to measure the results or success of that. If the sales organization isn't involved, then marketing merely looks and says, well, here's the company or the client, and here's what we did for them, because that's all the information that you have at your disposal. So marketing crafts a beautifully written piece of uh, material, I was going to say piece of something else, but piece of material that actually doesn't resonate at all with the customer. So what I want you to consider is this. I want you to think about one of the things I often teach, which is how do customers make decisions? How do they approve decisions? And one of the things that we want to think about is if I know that the way customers approve or make decisions comes down to what problem do you solve, why do I need it, and what's the likely outcome or result? And I know across thousands and thousands of CEOs and executives, that's how they measure whether or not they're going to approve or deny a request. Then we darn well better follow that sort of model. And that's the model that we outline in Same Side Selling. And that's the model that I want to cover today in terms of the formula for a case study. And it kind of goes like this. First, I want to do a little comparison. So your traditional case study says, well, here was our client, and here's all about them as an organization. Um, they're a this size company, and they have so many employees and so many offices and this and that. And here's a very brief sentence about what they were, what the client was trying to do. Then we have paragraph after paragraph about our great solution. And our great solution talks about all the different technologies and all the different people and customer service and all these wonderful things that, candidly, they don't care about. And then it ends with, hey, and if you want to learn more about this solution, contact us. Like someone who's reading it who actually is interested won't be able to figure out that they can contact you. Of course they will. Don't include that call to action. I know someone taught in a marketing class once. They were wrong because, let's face it, the customer, if they're not smart enough to figure out that they can call you, then they're not smart enough to be your client anyhow. The problem with that original format is that it makes you, the vendor, the hero. And in a good case study, the customer is the hero. Let me say that again. In a good case study, the customer is the hero. You're just supporting cast. If we know that the way customers make decisions is what problems it solve, why do I need it, and what's the likely outcome or result, then let's structure our case studies in that same formula. So what it comes down to is this. Your case study formula will be XYZ company came to us because they were facing this sort of problem. Here's how that problem was impacting their organization negatively. Here are all the different ramifications that they were concerned about. And obviously, you're going to have to temper that because they don't want to make it sound like they were incompetent. So you're going to temper that a little bit. Then what you're going to do is after you've explained all of that, then you're going to say, look, and, and if they, they knew if they didn't solve this problem, here's what was likely going to happen to their organization. 
Then I will allow you to have one whole sentence that says they engaged us for help. I, I will tell you, you don't even need to because your client's going to be smart enough to figure out that you actually helped them or why would you be writing this case study? But if you want to have a sentence to make everyone happy, you can have a sentence that says you helped. Now, what we've done to this point is we've said what problem they were trying to solve and why they needed it. Now we said you helped. Then we follow by saying, what kind of results did they get? What was the outcome that they got? And we share that and say, look, now today the organization doesn't have that problem. In fact, they benefit this way, this way, that way. Here's how they measure success. And life is good. Everybody sings kumbaya together. Um, People wear fun party hats every day, and they just love their life. And we do that by industry, and we do that by client sector and different areas sliced and diced, so that way your customer can relate to that. At the end, we don't say, for more information, you can contact us, because you're just going to have your contact information at the end. If you have any questions about this example, feel free to give us a call. Not if you want to learn more about this, just if you have any questions, let us know, because after all, your job is to be helpful. What we've now done is create a case study formula that says what problem do we solve, why do we need it, and what's the likely outcome and result. That means that someone else reading it now has the information that they would normally be asking if they had to approve a decision anyhow. So we now have something that's all bottled up in a way that people can make decisions. And it makes it easier for them to understand. The, the, the challenge with talking about your solution is you might say, oh, and as part of our solution, we used a Gazertenblatt. And the customer says, oh, man, we had a vendor use a Gazerton Blatt once. It was a terrible, it was a terrible outcome. So I don't want to talk to these people. Now, your solution with the Gazerton Blatt might be totally different than what the other people had, but your customer now gets too focused on an element of the solution when the reality is you need to get them focused on the issue, impact, and importance, and the results associated with whatever challenge it is they're facing. And that way, you now have a way that you can introduce yourself to people that's going to pique their interest. The beauty is this. When someone's reading that case study, what's going to happen is they're going to say, wow, we have the same sort of problem. And as you start talking about the impact, they're going to think to themselves, wow, you know what? I hadn't really thought about that, but that's probably impacting us in the same way. And as you describe in more detail, people start saying, wow, this is a bigger deal than we thought. Or they conclude that it's not that big of a deal for them. Either way, our goal is simply to get to the truth. So remember, when you talk to somebody initially and you get that piece of information from them that says, look, I don't know, or you're asking them a question and they don't know the answer, then we need to evaluate what the key reasons are for that. So let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key takeaways that I think you can use and put to work right away. When they don't know, you first need to ascertain, do they don't know because they just simply don't know? Is it because they don't trust you? Or is it because they're afraid to show their ignorance? Based on that, we can use third-party stories to help them realize and feel comfortable about different answers that might be there. And we can also ask them who else might have the answers. We can kind of feel badly for even asking them. When it comes to case studies, don't talk about what you did. Rather, talk about the client's issue impact and relative importance and what the results and outcome were. And that way you're aligned with how customers make decisions, which is they want to know what problem do you solve, why do they need it, and what's the likely outcome or result.
Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a guest you think I should have on the show, if there's a topic you want me to cover, just drop me a note at ian at ianaltman.com. By the way, I'd love it if you enjoy the program to take the time and do an iTunes review. It really helps us in the search rankings. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer. Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Be sure to subscribe to our program on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't miss Ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com and via Twitter at GrowMyRevenue. Revenue.